Well, friends, hello, good evening. It's a very special joy to be with you. I thank you for your welcome. And Pastor Philip, it's a special joy to come. I'm no one special or important. I'm just one of God's little people. And uh, it is a very great joy to be back at the mission and to be here. I hear lots of things about you, and they're all good. Different people that have been and preachers that visit. So thanks so much uh, for your welcome. And I want to read, as uh, Pastor Philip has said, if you have a Bible with you, you may like to follow in the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Perhaps you're surprised that we turn to the Old Testament. But the book of Genesis, chapter 22, where we read a gripping, moving narrative back over the annals of sacred history. I want to take you tonight to the origin of Good Friday, why we are here, why we celebrate the cross, why the cross, why was he crucified, why was it blood that had to be shed, where does all that come from, and why does a careless world disregard the wonder of the cross. We're going to find out as we go back into the scriptures of truth and to the very origins of God's great plan of redemption through blood. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built there an altar and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay, to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear, reverence God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behind him there was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. As we just uh, think for a short while about the drama of that great thing which took place, as Abraham was tested as to who would be first, who was most important in his life, a great and severe test about the boy he loved. God said, I know you love that boy. I want you to bring your only son, Isaac. You have another son born before him, Ishmael, but he's not in the picture. There's a, there's a great historical truth in here we haven't time for this evening. Ishmael wasn't in the line. It was Isaac. I want you to take that your son, Isaac, this son whom you love, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. In the Hebrew Bible, and the Jewish people call this the Akedah. I think it means the binding. They, their minds focus in on Abraham binding his son upon the altar. And in this record, I want to try and show you this evening and teach you how Isaac makes us think of Jesus. Isaac represents Jesus. Isaac was a type of the Lord Jesus. So we're looking back from Good Friday now, back as I say through the annals of sacred history in the Word of God, and we're going to probe the genesis, the origins of what Easter is all about and why the Savior had to die. Now I don't know about you, but over the, these Easter days, I've been busy, perhaps you've been busy too, and there's been a lovely old hymn that's been going around in my head. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, chapter 5, it's up here, and verse 20, uh, chapter 5, verse 23, he says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Do you ever little, sing a little song to the Lord in your heart when you're doing the or dusting or driving the car? Uh, it's not recommended that you uh, pray while you're driving the car. I know the Bible says watch and pray, but that's a different thing altogether, right? Well, here's the little song. I think it must be from the old Sankey book. Here it is, listen. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. So I'm going to talk to you about the necessity of the cross. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I will ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. Now this wonderful record in Genesis 22, dear friends, is not the first mention of the Bible doctrine of substitution, penal substitution, that God from all eternity devised a plan which would involve the offering of an innocent substitute, someone to take our place, 
God's method of reconciling sinners, you and me. We were born sinners. The only way that God would ever reconcile a helpless, weak, errant sinner to himself was by substitution and by blood. And it's in this record in Genesis chapter 22. But I want you to look back if you've got your Bible to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21 where we find, as far as I've discovered, the first mention of this great truth that the Father would send the Son to be the Savior of the world and it would require crucifixion, no other way. It would require the cross, no other way. And it would be the way of blood. Many do not like this, but it's the teaching, the divine doctrine of the Word of God. Genesis 3 and verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife. Let's stop there. Adam was the first created human. He wasn't born by natural generation as we are. When I was teaching once in Romania, I go back again in uh, July, they were very interested, the students, and in their Romanian way, they put their hands up. They asked, did Adam have a belly button? Well, I'd never heard anybody ask that before. And I had to think for a minute, and I said, uh, no, he didn't. What about Eve? Did she have a belly button? No. God created Eve out of the side, one of Adam's ribs. So who was the first human being that did have a belly? His name was Abel, and then Cain. They were the first human beings that were born by natural generation as you were born, and I was born. And Adam was the first human. He was not born. He was created by a direct act of God, as the whole of creation was in six days, and he was created, you remember, from the dust of the earth. That's in the Hebrew language what Adam means, dust. That's where he came from. And Adam, in uh, verse 21, they, they had fallen. They had disobeyed the Lord. First, Eve, she took of the forbidden fruit. And then her husband, too. And they brought upon the human race. Here is the bad news about humanity. The good news about humanity is that God has made a way of escape, a way of escape, a way of salvation. But the whole human race was plunged into a history of war and jealousy and death and killing. Where the story of the human race as we all know it and see it on the television every day. Something's gone wrong with our planet. Secularism has no answer for what's gone wrong. The Bible teaches us what's gone wrong. And it's to do with the fall. But let's read verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics or coats of skin, animal skin, just one in the Hebrew Bible, and clothed them. Three important things. From the very dawn of human, the very genesis of human life, human relationships, and human experience, God would show them, number one, salvation from sin would be provided by God, not by Adam, not by his wife. The Lord God clothed them with skins. Number two, salvation would require the death 
of an innocent substitute, here a creature, an animal, later of course thousands of them, all pointing forward to the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So who killed that animal? Well, I can't figure any other way than that God killed that animal and took the skins of the animal and covered our father Adam uh, again, bad news, but we are all children of Adam. He is our father. He is the representative head of the whole human race. We were born children of Adam, born fallen, born sinful. We are born needing to be born again. But how wonderful God provided salvation. It required the death of an innocent substitute. And how wonderful that the skin clothed them, didn't forgive them. But it clothed them. In the Hebrew Bible, kafar, it means to hide or conceal their sin from God's eyes. And so salvation from the very beginning was like that. Now I want you to see, as we look in Genesis 22, how the Lord, having tested Abraham, he didn't tempt him, as uh, some Bibles say, <coughs> but he was testing Abraham to find out who was number one. Who was first in the affections of Father Adam? And could God trust him to be the father of a race that would bring the world's only hope, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who thousands of years later, John the baptizer would point to over the heads of his big congregations. John was a great preacher, but he pointed at his blood relative, Jesus of Nazareth, and he says, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God, or God's Lamb. There he is, provided by God, who takes away the sin of the world. And here we are going back into the genesis and origin of Good Friday, and all that happened. I wonder why we call it good. I want you to see, first of all, Isaac makes us think of Jesus. Look at verse 2. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. I know you love that boy. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Isaac was an only son. At least God calls him an only son. There was Ishmael. And we haven't time this evening but you will know that Ishmael, Ishmael was the father of all the Middle Eastern races where the human race began. He was the father was the father of all the Arab nations. Isaac became the father of all the Jewish nations. And the biggest problem on planet Earth into which every nation on the, in the world is being drawn is that intractable conflict in the Middle East which goes back to an act of unfaithfulness committed by Abraham when he left his wife with her permission, they were different days than today, and with Sarah's permission he took her handmaid Hagar and their union brought into the world another son, Ishmael. And the two were always at war with each other and they're at war yet we're, we're at the origin of a lot of things tonight. To understand what's going on in our world and what the cross means. But Isaac is called here, take now your son, your only son. Isaac makes us think of Jesus. Why? He was an only son. Does John 3.16 say, does it not say, for God 
so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was an only begotten son. Ishmael is called the only begotten son. He was unique. And so was the Lord Jesus. But I want to point out to you that Isaac was not only an only son, but he was a long-awaited son. And if you turn on to Gen turn back to Genesis chapter 17 and verse 17, I see some of you following in the scriptures, and that's nice for a preacher to see. Genesis 17 and verse 17. <clears throat> Verse 16, oh, sorry, verse 15. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah. There's a divine aspirate added to her name, speaking of God. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The promise of the messianic race. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man, me, a hundred years old? And Sarah, who was ninety years old, bear a child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He had fixed that okay. God said, No, Sarah, your wife shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And many of you know in the Hebrew language, Isaac the word means laughter. They called the little boy laughter, their only son, Isaac. And then the Lord says, I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. That's the Abrahamic covenant, which will go from Abraham, not Ishmael, Isaac, and Jacob. The Abrahamic covenant is still incumbent upon the world today. And much of it awaits to be fulfilled at the second advent. But how wonderful that Isaac, when the Lord told Abraham and Isaac, you're going to have a baby, oh, <laughs> that's not possible. I'm 100 and my little wife, she's 90. We don't have kids in our time of life. But you see, Isaac was a miracle. And Israel is a miracle. It's a miracle today. They're a miracle nation. They should not exist. Isaac should not have been born. But you see, it was a miracle child that God brought into the world. And in Hebrews 11 and verse 12, we won't look it up, it says that to Abraham and unto him, as good as dead, there was born one who would be in the, in the line of the Messiah. It, he, he was as good as dead as far as producing children. But this child was a long-awaited child. And then number three, he was born contrary to the natural laws of human generation, of course he was. His dad, 100 years old, his mother, 90 years, old, 90 years old. This was a little miracle baby. No wonder they called him laughter. But they laughed with incredulity that they could have a child. But the baby was born. And he was born a miracle. Hey, wasn't Jesus Christ born like that? Doesn't Isaac make you think of Jesus this Good Friday? When the angel made the announcement to Mary, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. He shall be called, you must call him Jesus. He'll be the son of the highest and the Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David in the future, the Abrahamic covenant. 
How can this be? Seeing that I know not a man. But the baby was born. He was born the Messiah, Jesus Christ, contrary to the laws of human natural generation. Isaac was born like that. I want you to look in your Bible, Genesis 22 and verse 7. This is interesting. Genesis 22 and verse 7. The boy Isaac and his father are climbing the hill called Moriah. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he says, my father, he said, dad, he said, here I am, my son. Look, you've got the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The boy was puzzled. My dad's got the wood. I've seen him do this. He split the timber. He's going to light the, the altar. And he's got the fire, yes. But this time he's not brought a lamb with him. What's going on? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Would you say tonight that the boy Isaac announced the cry of the Old Testament? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? That's the cry of the Old Testament. The cry of the New Testament I've mentioned in John 1 came from the lips of John the baptizer. Behold the lamb. There he is. He identified him and pointed him out. But the cry of the Old Testament was, where is the lamb? Do you think Father Abraham's voice choked up? You think so? Dad, you've got the fire and you've got the wood, but you, where, where is the lamb? See, Abraham knew what God had told him. I think he probably choked up. He says, son, don't worry about it. God will provide a lamb. Isaac, he must have thought, I don't know what's going on here. I don't like the feel of this. I don't know who the sacrifice is going to be, but I've got a funny feeling. But that brings me to another wonderful thing in the narrative of Abraham and Isaac. And I'll show you what Isaac did. It's very wonderful. Verse 7 and 8, the same verses we've looked at. So the two of them went, both together. Isaac went with his father up the mount in obedience to his father. Did not the Lord Jesus do the same? Do you remember Philippians chapter 2? He became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross, whereby God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Isaac obeyed his father's will. Jesus always obeyed his father's will. Remember he said several times, I always do those things that please my father. And as an obedient sin bearer and substitute, he submitted himself to the suffering of the cross and he climbed the hill of Calvary in obedience to his father's will. Isaac did the same and suffered a death you and I will never know. So terrible was the death of crucifixion that the word crucifixion or crucified, some of you will know this, has been written into English grammar, English language. Someone will say, I was in hospital or had an accident. The pain was excruciating. Refers to ultimate human pain. It refers to pain. The pain 
of barbaric crucifixion. It wasn't a, a, a it wasn't, it was a barbarity. It's all it was. And Isaac went all the way. How wonderful that he should be obedient to his father's will. The only begotten son. I want you to see verse 6. We're in Genesis 22 and verse 6. I hope you're interested as we go back to find out where Good Friday came from. Why the blood? Why the cross? Why did he have to die? We're finding out. I hope you're following. Look at verse 6. A little detail. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering. He split the logs. Look and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. What a detail to put in the Holy Bible. But God is a great God of detail. The writer of the Bible, he says, when they climbed the hill, Abraham said, son, I want you to carry this wood. What did he do that for? Does it matter? Yes, it does. Because if we time, we could look up the Gospel of John, chapter 17, as the Savior climbed Golgotha's hill and went to the cross, he bearing his cross, Remember? Bearing his cross. The Lord Jesus himself carried the timbers of his execution and death. Isaac did that. Isaac did that. We see here Christ in type and shadow and picture. His sufferings and the cross. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't that the Romans killed him. No, no. It was all in the great plan of God. And that plan was drawn up for your eternal salvation and mine. The way of the cross leads home. No other way. I'll ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. We've got to come God's way, the way of the blood. And I want you to see just quickly in verse uh, 5, Genesis 22 and verse 5. This is interesting. Abraham said to his young men, remember we read the story, took two lads with him and the donkeys. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, Isaac, my boy. He and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. What do you say that for? God had told him that he, he was to lay his son upon the altar, take the knife and the fire and the wood. I want to see you give that boy you love so much. If you would give him a sacrifice. Now, human sacrifice is not a godly, biblical thing. It's not taught in scripture at all. The only instance we have of human sacrifice was the sacrifice that was made on Calvary. But that was a very, very different thing. What a battle must have raged in Abraham's mind that God wants me to kill my son, to slay my son as a sacrifice. He was out of syncretism, out of what we call Iraq now. He, he knew all about paganism. But now God was call, calling him to do that. But it, how wonderful that he says to the boys, you stay here with the donkeys. We're going to go up the mountain. We will come back to you. What did he say that for? Well, now, we haven't time. 
But in the book of Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 17, you will discover there that Abraham, as he climbed the hill with his boy, he accounted by faith. He's the father of all the faithful, your father in Christ and mine. Abraham counted that God was able to raise that boy from the dead. What a faith he had. If I do give my boy in sacrifice, God will raise him from the dead. So he says to the boys, you wait here. And me and my boy, we will come back. We will come back to you. Oh, and they came back on the third day. How interesting. When the boys with the donkey saw Abraham coming out of the dust with his son, it was Isaac back from the dead. Jesus rose on the third day. Back from the dead. So let's just have a little look in closing, and I'll hurry. In this wonderful record, they came to the place that God had told him. And Abraham lays his son on the wooden order, bound his son, that's the Hebrews call it Akadah, the binding, bound his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. I guess Isaac could have said, Hey, Dad. I don't like the look of this. I'm off. But he was obedient unto death and obeyed his father's will. What a wonderful son Abraham had. And the son of God is a, is a wonderful son. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay, to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he says, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand upon the lad, nor do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Don't kill him. I took you to the brink of the test. Don't lay a hand on him. But when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, there was no voice of mercy. No one to say, stop. God put his son through the hell of Calvary. No holding back. He bore the punishment and the price. And so it was that Isaac was spared. And Father Abraham takes the knife and he cuts the rope like this. And he sets his boy free. How pleased and thankful he must have been. But what about the sacrifice? Father Abraham looks around. Behind him, there's a thorn bush. And in the Holy Land, there are big thorns. And he sees a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. He sees a thorn-crowned head. Right? You're thinking? He sees a head crowned with thorns. And he takes the ram and he offers him up as a substitute in the stead of his son. The promise was of a lamb, but God accepted the ram. Now, some years ago I was uh, preaching on this same passage in the fells of Lancashire, where a lot of fell farmers live. A bit of a silly thing for a pastor like me to speak about sheep and lambs to farmers Sheep farmers. At the door there was a grand old man. I knew him for years. He's with the Lord now. He's home in the glory because of the cross. Through the precious blood of God's Lamb. 
And at the door he shook my hand. It was like shaking a hand with a piece of leather. He was a tough old farmer. He says, Alec, when you preach that message again, tell them this. I've been a sheep farmer all my life. And my father was before me and my grandfather before him. We've dealt with sheep all our life. And sometimes we take to a shed. We build a little hut. We live and sleep out with the sheep to look after them. We know all about sheep. But Alec, I never once heard my grandfather or my father or me, three generations of sheep farmers, we never heard of a ram or a sheep caught by his horns. He won't get caught that way. That's his defense. He won't get caught like that. They get caught here. They get caught here. They got very thin skin, he told me, underneath the belly of the, of the ram or the lamb they, the, or the, the sheep. And he said they get caught there and then they pull and they pull and they bleed and then flies come and maggots. It's not nice, our job sometimes. But they can tear themselves there and uh, that's not so nice. But I never once ever freed a ram caught in the barbed wire or by his horns in a thicket. He said he won't be caught by that. But the Bible is clear. This one was caught by his horns. So when Father Abraham laid him on the wood, he presented to, the, to his God a blemishless, spotless, perfect sacrifice. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is for you and for me, the only begotten Son of God, the only man who never sinned. My old boss, when I worked in a, among some wicked lads in the electrical trade, he said, Alec, the man who never sinned never lived. Oh, I said, there was one, and they crucified him. They were mocking me, see. But the Lord Jesus Christ, God's perfect sacrifice, blemishless sacrifice, the Bible says, without spot or blemish. I like to think, sanctified imagination, no harm, uh, that Isaac, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but maybe Isaac went over. See, he's just a boy like some of you. And he goes over and he, he has a look at the ram, dead on the altar. My father plunged the knife into him and said the prayers. I like to think that Isaac went over to look at the ram in his eyes. It would be like this, wouldn't he? He's dead, see, laying on the altar. And as he looks into the face of the ram, he says, Boy, am I glad that you're on there and not me. Boy, am I glad that you, my dad put you there so I could live. Got it? And every believer who knows Jesus Christ as his own and personal Savior can look upon the cross and survey that wondrous cross. Remember that lovely hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. We do it by faith. We can't go there. It happened in human history. But we can survey that wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And we can look at the man on the cross and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus, you did it for me. You died my death so I could go free. The Father laid you there as my sacrifice. One little puzzle to finish with, and then I've done. Look at verse 8. A little puzzle. God said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. But in verse 14, Abraham called the name of the place, 
Uh, some of your translations will have the Hebrew names Yehovah Jireh. Yehovah Jireh. It means the Lord my provider. That's what he said to Isaac. Where, Isaac says to his dad, where is the lamb? He says, don't worry, son. God will provide a lamb. He'll be God's lamb. God will provide a lamb. And he calls the name of the mountain, Moriah, he calls it Jehovah Jireh. In Hebrew, the Lord has provided. Or the Lord, sorry, the Lord will provide in Hebrew. The Lord will provide. Would you not have thought that Abraham wouldn't have called it the Lord will provide? The Lord, ha but, but the Lord has provided. You think he was so relieved that his son would be going back to the boys and the donkey, going home with him, he'd have called the mountain the Lord has provided. But he calls it the Lord will provide. See, he's pointing on from the ram to the Lamb of God who would come and who on Calvary would shed his precious blood, a sin offering. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The great divine transcendent truth that eternal redemption is available only by substitution and by blood. What can wash away my stain? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening. I must needs go home. I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall ne'er get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. Don't miss it. God has provided a perfect redemption. We rest not upon our works but upon the finished work of the cross. Thank you for listening. Lovely to be with you. We see you Sunday morning, Philip. Our pastor, we thank the Lord for him. He has a hymn for us which fits in just beautifully to what we've been thinking about. Thank you, Alec, for taking us to Christ in the Old Testament all the way through, isn't it, from in the Bible? That's great. Thank you. We're going to sing to finish the service in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in, in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save.